If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2. If you're just stepping in for the first time, my name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. And today, man, I'm thrilled that you're here. We're going to begin a brand new series uh, called The Hope of Christmas. Everybody needs a little bit of hope. And so we're going to be talking about The Hope of Christmas, three-part series. We're in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Let's begin. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, I wonder why they were called wise, have you ever wondered that, like have you ever asked yourself, why were they wise men? About that time, some, help me out, say it, some wise men. From eastern lands, what, what made them wise? It's just, uh, we're going to talk about that today. What, like, why were they, from the get-go, why were they wise? About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to what? To, to worship him. I love that. If you want to know what worship is all about, it's not just the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings. Worship is a lifestyle, and uh, you can go back and listen to our series that we did on worship a few, few weeks ago. Now, jump to verse 9 real quick. So, uh, they're asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star, and we've come to worship him. Now, look in verse 9. We're going to jump to verse 9 to get to the, the main verse for today. It says, the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw this star, they were filled with joy. They knew something was about to happen. They knew that this was not a normal year. They knew that like a miracle was in the making. They knew that something was going to change the world forever. When they saw this star, they were filled with joy. Verse 11, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and what? Worshipped him. And then they opened up their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that for the next few minutes, you would untie my tongue. Father, I pray that you would allow the thoughts and the, the, um, the verses that you've given me throughout the week. God, I pray that you would just um, use them to penetrate hearts and minds. God, I pray that you, your spirit, God, would infiltrate us. And that we would become like those wise men. That we would have the wisdom, not of this world, but the wisdom from a God who loves us unconditionally. And God, we dedicate this next few minutes to you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, wise men, what made them wise? A lot of people, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on this. Some people say that it was what they brought to Jesus. That's what made them wise. It was the gift that they brought, like they brought gold. That's the most... Um, expensive, uh, most precious metal that they could put get their hands on. It's, it was worthy of a king. So they said, many people say they were wise to bring Je baby Jesus gold because he, they could see that he was a king. 
uh, frankincense. Um, some people say that you know they were wise to bring because they brought this because it was uh, something that was used to worship God in the temple. So it was a tradition back then, and so they say that's why he was. They were wise. Myrrh was a spice that was used to embalm uh, a body after death, and so many people say that they recognized him, baby Jesus. They recognized him as king, but they worshipped him as God. And they had incredible insight to understand his purpose and plan. Something that even the disciples, after walking with Jesus for years, did not get. But they come into this, this occasion and they, they recognize that this is a baby that has been born to die for humanity. And so many people say that's what made them wise. I don't know exactly, but I, I have a few thoughts that I want to share with you today why they were wise. Now, one of the things that I enjoy doing uh, around this time of the year is finding out how people celebrate Christmas. Like all of us, we have different traditions. You know, I wish we could all hear kind of our different uh things that we've done when we were kids like for me i was born in south america i was born in venezuela and so on christmas eve like on the 24th every year we'd have this huge meal okay think of a thanksgiving meal okay like and we actually turkey every year and this was our own little tradition in south america and i don't know if it was just my family but this is all i knew okay so on the 24th had this huge meal and we would prepare this huge table and we would not eat until midnight now does anybody else in this room does that crazy thing not eat until okay you guys do okay so i'm not alone thank you appreciate it i have somebody that understands my my troubles and my complexities as a human being but yeah like i mean who does that you know eat at midnight this huge meal and so when leah and i met that was really really weird for her and so she had her own traditions they um they would celebrate uh jesus birthday by baking a cake and so I, I thought that was weird you know who does that does anybody do that so like her dad, we're going to celebrate Christmas together as a family with her parents. And he's already ordered like the, the a birthday cake for Jesus. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, right? Free cake. Um, I love it. I mean, Jesus likes to share. So, you know, all the cake we could have. But I love that because it, it actually, and they like literally sang happy birthday to Jesus. Like we will do it this year with all the kids. And I love that because it put the birth of christ it made it so much more real you know it wasn't just a story it wasn't just a thing you know that 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 we do it was like man we're literally it's his birthday we're singing happy birthday that's what we're celebrating and so i love that tradition the question for us today in fact the title of the message is this what are you going to give jesus for his birthday it's a question that's a it's a great question to ask what will you give because that's who whose birth we're celebrating right what will you give jesus that the wise men they give him what help me out they give him what gold what else and myrrh. there you go what will you give jesus i mean think about it what I mean, like one of the things that my family says is um they they think that i'm a i'm a very difficult person to buy gifts for okay because I really i don't have a whole lot of needs okay like my kids my family well, they would probably disagree you know but i really don't have a whole lot of wants okay like every time my birthday comes around see they're talking right now you know they're um they're like they tell me that like you're the most difficult person to buy gifts for and i i just don't feel like i have a whole lot of wants now they would disagree with me they'd say 
they would say, you know, it's not like you don't you don't have a whole lot of ones because you buy everything that you want, you know. So you don't you just don't <laughs> see they're laughing. I'm telling they know that I'm telling the truth. Um, but what do you give the God who has everything? Actually, he doesn't have everything. If you think about it, there are a number of things that he only has if you're willing to give to him. So I wrote three things down that I want you to do from this passage that I want you to write down if you're taking notes today. The first thing that he gives you that, that you can give him that he doesn't have automatically is your trust Think about that, your trust. I don't know what you're having to trust God with, but he doesn't automatically, he does not force. Faith is not forced upon you. Maybe when you were a kid, your parents, maybe they made you go to church. Maybe that was forced on you. Okay, maybe your spouse, you know, is wanting you to come here. Maybe your mom and dad, they forced you to go to church. God doesn't do that. God does not force himself on you. He doesn't come in and, and, and kick the door in. In fact, one of the, my favorite verses that I learned when I was 12 years old, uh, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible says, I, this is Jesus speaking, I stand at the door, and does anybody know the verse? I stand in the door and what? Knock. I stand. I don't throw, I don't kick it in. I don't force myself in. No, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice, he says, and you open the door, then I'll come in and we'll have a meal and we'll, have, we'll be friends. That's what he says. I'll be your friend. But my, what I'm going to do, the extent of my favor, the extent of my redemption, is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and I'm going to die and I'm going to show up and I will stand and I will knock. But it's up to you to hear my voice and to open the door. You don't have to. It's up to you. If you want to do it. So faith is a voluntary thing. And so the question that I have is, do you really trust God? Will you trust God in 2021? Because what I've learned is that when I trust God for big things, when I trust, when I expect him to do great things in my life, often there will be great things that he will do in my life. When I don't expect anything from God, Usually nothing happens. If I expect little things in my life, God will do little things. And so the question is, what? In fact, let me give you a couple of uh, references for this. Psalm 5, verse 3. The Bible says this, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait. What's that last word? And wait what? Expectantly. Does that make sense? So if you expect him to do a lot, he'll do a lot. If you expect him to do a little bit, he'll do a little bit. If you don't expect him to do anything in your life, he won't do anything in your life. Here's another reference. Matthew 9, 29. Jesus says, according to your faith, it will be what? Done to you. So how are you trusting God? How will you trust? Because some of us, we, you know, we trust God. We, we feel like trust is something that we have to do. Feel like it's a past thing. You know, 2020, I've had to trust God with 2020 because of what has happened financially, with my health, with COVID. You fill in the blank. Past tense, I had to trust Him. But do you know that, do you know that 2021 is coming and you will have to trust Him future tense? 
with what's about to come. And God says, I want you to trust me. You don't have to. I'm not going to force it on you. In fact, he says, even when you're in trouble, Psalm 50, verse 14, another great reference if you want to write it down. If you get into trouble, I want you to trust me so that I can rescue you. That's what he says. Did you know that sometimes God sees you going down a path that's not the best for you? And God won't prevent you from, like he won't stop you. He could, and he has the power to stop you. But did you know that there are times in your life when you're, you're headed in a certain direction, and, you, and he sees, because he's God, he knows that you're not going down the right path, but he will let you go down that path. He will let you end up getting into trouble a little bit so that you can trust him and so that he can bail you out. Did you know that God does that? And so that he can rescue you because he wants to rescue you. So if I'm going to give something to Jesus next year or next week or today that he does not have, I give him my trust. He doesn't automatically have my trust. Number two, if I want to give him something that he doesn't have automatically, I give him first place in my life. Write that down. I give him first place in my life. Think about the, the first commandment. What was the first commandment? Thou shalt, help me out, thou shalt have no other what? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. First commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He sh- I should take first place. It's a simple principle. First place. So what, how does that, how do we translate that? Well, the Bible, if you study God's word, says that anything that you put in first place, other than God, other than the true God, becomes a little G God. It becomes an idol right so your career you know how many of you love what you do right now would you raise your hand you love what you do i love that you know so not all of us love what we do some of us we love our careers we love what we do god says if your career takes first place in your life it becomes a little g god becomes an idol think about it how many of you love your kids if you have kids raise your hand thank you very much i'm glad you love your kids it's a good thing God says, if you put your kids, if they take number one, first place in your life, they become an idol. Your hobbies, how many of you have hobbies? Raise your hand. Okay, not that many of you. Okay, that's okay. You know, um, if you put your hobby in first place, it becomes an idol. And, and think about it, all of those things, they're gifts from God. They're things that you wouldn't have unless he gave them to you. You wouldn't have, like, your kids, your career, the things that you do for fun, maybe your husband, whatever. You wouldn't have those things unless God was the provider in your life, right? But he says, in his word, he says, you know what? If, if that thing takes priority and you center your life around that thing or that person, what happens is when you lose them, your life will fall apart. So you, you've got to get this. It's not like God is this egotistical type of person that says, you know what, the self, self-absorbed, it's all about himself, and he just wants you to put him first because that's, no, no, he just knows better. He knows that if you, if you make your job your number one priority, and I can, I mean, I can speak from experience because there are times in my life when my job, my calling as a pastor, as, as holy as it can be, I'm doing a good thing, I'm doing a thing that comes from the Lord. If that takes priority over my relationship with the Lord, it can become an idol too. And so it can become, and he says in his word, he says, if you make that, if you center your life around that, 
and that's your priority, and you lose it, your life will fall apart. So it's not that he's ego, this egotistical guy that, that it's all about himself, and he's just totally self-absorbed. No, he's saying that because he loves you. And so when you lose that loved one that you pour all of your heart into, that maybe you're falling in love with, with when when you give all of yourself to that child because you've seen the miracle of life and then you lose him or something happens they betrayed you and then life just goes down the drain god says you see this is why you shouldn't have put them in first place this is why the only thing that should take first place in your life is a god who can never be taken away from you one of the things that I love about people who die for Jesus is the fact that you can take anything from that individual. You can strip them down of every possession on earth. And some people who have actually been crucified upside down or they've been beheaded for the cause of Christ, the one thing that you, none of us can take away from that human being is a relationship with God. And so if you want to give something to Jesus this Christmas that he doesn't automatically have you put him in first place in your life now some of you you're here and you're like okay I hear you how do I do that and I'll, full, full disclosure I don't always do this okay so I don't always practice putting Jesus in first place in my life I wish I, I could but the truth is there are seasons of my life where he takes second third place and I would argue that there are seasons of your life where you would say the same thing so I don't know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how 2020 was for you, but let's just say that you come to this point in the message and you're like, okay, I hear you, Pastor Alex. So how do I do that? How do I put Jesus first, like in tangible ways, in practical ways? I want to do it. I want 2021 to be a different year. I want to, like, I want to do better than 2020. What's a practical way to put Jesus first? Let me give it to you. If you want to write it down, it's not on the, on the screen, so you're going to have to write it down if you want to uh, keep the notes. So practical acrostic. I'm going to give you an acrostic of the word first, okay? So the word first, F-I-R-S-T. F, write this down, is finances. F is finances. I is interest. So I put God in first place in my finances, and then I give him first place in my interests, those things that I'm interested in. R is for relationships. R is for relationships. So what does that look like? What does it look to put God in first place in my relationship? Well, you come to God and you say, okay, Lord, you're going to be first. I'm going to make a decision today that my kids are not going to take first place in 2021 like I'm, my husband is not going to do it like you're my friends are not that person that I'm getting to know no 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 God I'm, I'm making a commitment that today like you're going to take first place in my relationships and you make that decision the safest place listen to this safest place for a wife to be is knowing she's second place when her husband when in her husband's life, God is first place. It's the safest place for her to know I'm second because I know that in his life, he is first. That will bring more security to her than any amount of money that you bring to the table. That will bring more security than any other thing that you do for her. Does that make sense? Yes. All right. So first, finances, your interest. Your relationships. S is for schedule. Your schedule. 
You're going to put God in first place as it relates to your schedule. What does that mean? Well, that means every day you're going to give him a part of your time, a part of your day, even if it's five minutes. Every day before you check, you know, before you run out the door, before you check Facebook, before you, you know, you check your emails or what's on your agenda or, you know, before you go work out, every day what you're going to do is you're going to be quiet for a moment and you're going to get along with God like just, just in your own little time and you're going you're gonna to read God's word. You're going to listen to God's word. You, can, you don't like to read? Well, man, you can download the Bible app. You can just listen to God's word. Every day, you're going to put them first in your schedule by just taking a few minutes and just saying, okay, God, before this day, you know, like before I face whatever challenges I face, I'm going to give you my schedule. I'm going to make you first place in my schedule. And you're going to sit down. And you're going to listen to God's word. You're going to read God's word. You're going to ask Lord, is there anything that you want to say to me today? I, I encourage you to do that. Like get five minutes before you get going and just say, Lord, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me today? And then T is for trouble. T is for trouble. What do you mean trouble? Whenever you run into trouble, and if you're alive for any period of time, you will run into trouble. Okay, that's just life. Whenever you run into trouble... You're going to put God in first place. What that means is that you're not going to panic. You're going to pray. You're not going to run to someone and ask for advice, ask for their opinion, ask for help, ask for money. No, no, no. You're going to run to God, and you're going to pray, and you're going to ask Him for advice. And you're going to say, God, I have this situation in my life. It's complicated. It's got a many layers. I don't know what to do. I don't feel like I have the wisdom. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have what it takes. It's bigger than me. It's more, it's more complicated than I know that I could even co communicate. But God, I'm going to put you in first place. The verse that I quoted earlier, let's put it on the screen. Uh, Psalm 15, 15, watch this. Call on me when you're in what? When you're in trouble. Call on me when you're in trouble. And what's the purpose of it? So that I what? So that I can rescue you. And what's the secondary purpose to that? So that I can give you glory. Now, it's easy to preach. I get it. I mean, this is a piece of cake. But if you, if you want to put God first in 2021, I want you to write down that. This is a simple acrostic. First, finances, interest, my relationships, schedule, and whenever I end up in trouble. When you study God's Word, what you learn is that our God is a God of order. Everything about his creation has been done in a particular particular order. You you and I we we before we walk you, you crawl before you run you walk. I mean, you look at creation. There was an order to creation. You look at just life, the way you experience life, uh, the seasons of life. Right? You don't go from fall to summer. You go fall, winter, you know, spring, summer, and there's an order to everything. Everything that we do. Okay? Don't let them distract you guys. It's okay. It's all good. Um, listen to what, what Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says. But first, what? But seek, excuse me, but seek what? His kingdom and his righteousness. What's God's kingdom? That's his plan for your life, that's his purpose. What's God's righteousness? 
That's the character that God wants you to be. That's the type of person that, that's the character that God wants to build in you, the type of person that He wants you to be. So God says, first, seek my kingdom. That's my purpose. That's my plan. Seek my righteousness. That's the person that I want you to be. And then everything else will be taken care of. Everything else that you hope for will be at it, will be, I, I am your heavenly father. I will take care. Do you see the order? Like there is an order to everything about our lives. Now, that verse, Matthew six thirty three. that verse is either true or God is a liar. Right? So you, you've got to ask yourself, okay, Lord, do I really believe that if I put you in first place you will take care of everything else do i really believe that that's what that that's what god's word is teaching it's not something that i came up with right the acrostic and the little thing that's not that's not that's not mine that's that's god's word teaching us you put me first i'll take care of everything else life is better when god is first so your marriage you can you can substitute that word life with anything else your marriage will be better when God is first your health will be better when God is first your kids will be better off when God is first your, your health I mean excuse me your finances will be better when God is first your parenting will be better when God is first and so so I don't and there's when it comes to and I know I've mentioned finances a couple of times when it comes to to what you give to the Lord. The Bible says you give of the first fruit because it takes trust. Have you ever thought about that? Like, like we do not give our first portion of our income because God is poor. We don't, you know, like God doesn't need any money. When you give to LifePoint, if you come to this place and you believe in the vision of LifePoint, you believe that we're out in the community and we're reaching people. I mean, like nobody's driving a BMW. Like you believe like this is the place that like God is doing his work and he's redeeming people. If you believe in the vision, you don't give because the church is struggling financially or because there's a need. You give because you want to trust God you want to put God in first place. Does that make sense? Now, I know as soon as I mention, you know, money and all of that, it's like, oh, we get all tight, you know, like, and, and you want to run and go to the bathroom, never come back, or you want to turn off the TV or turn, go to the next podcast because this whole topic has been misused. You know, people in my position, preachers, that bent our arms over this whole idea. And so... Um, it's been misused, it's been abused, it's been ma manipulated. But think about it. You and I, we're serving the king of heaven and earth, both. <laughs> the Bible says he sits enthroned. So it's not like, like we do this because God wants something from us. No, he wants something for us. And when we say, okay, God, I, you know, I make this much in my monthly income, and I'm going to, the very first, and I, I, can I just be honest? Can I be vulnerable? I have not always gotten this right. There, there's times when I don't trust God. Now, earlier when I said that's what I'm talking about, like, can I be even more vulnerable? There's, time, there's times when I have not been faithful with my tithe, and I have not put him first in my life. But my desire as your pastor is to teach this topic correctly, to redeem the issue, 
and to allow you to make a decision without guilt, without shame. There's plenty of grace. You know, if you're thinking like, man, 10%, like, I don't know, like, how I do that. Like, that's way off my budget. Well, begin with a little bit. You can only trust them with $10. Begin there. You know, we have one of the things that we always talk about is online giving, right? So you can set your giving on a regular basis. Let's say that you only trust God with $10 a month. Take the step. You're not going to hear from me, oh, you're not tithing. You're not, you're a heathen. No, 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 no. You know, what God wants is for you to take the baby steps and say, you know what? I am not putting God in first place in this area of my of finances and I'm trusting myself and I'm trusting my own ability to budget and I'm trying to get out of this and I'm trying to do this for the for the purpose of being in a better position and I love that you're doing that and I applaud you for doing that but there is a better way there's a better way when you say God I don't have it but I'm going to put you first watch what he does because it's incredible number three and we're done I can give Jesus something that he doesn't have. Number one, I'm, I'm going to give him my trust. Number two, I'm going to give him first place in my life. And number three, I'm going to give him my heart. I can give him my heart. I'm going to ask the worship team, if you guys get on stage, we're going to wrap up with this one. What is your heart? I want you to think about that for a moment. What is your heart? What is your heart? Your heart is what you value. It's what you, it's what you treasure, what you care about. Like, how do I really know that I've given my heart to Jesus? That's a great question, right? A lot of times people struggle with that. Like, how do I really know? How do I know that I know that I know that I've given my heart to Jesus? Well, Jesus is very clear in the Gospels. Very clear. He says, he says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Think of that phrase. Wherever your treasure is, that's where you're, in other words, we value what cost us. Have you ever bought a new car, even if it was in a brand new car, like it was new to you? And, they, and you were like, man, this is it. Like, I love this car, you know? What do you do? You park it like really far away, right? You're like, you know, you're with the kids, you're going to Walmart, and it's like, we're going to park like a mile away. Why? Because you put a lot of money into that car, right? Have you ever bought a new couch? Like, you don't let the kids eat ice cream first week that you buy a new couch, right? Like, that is like the sacred place, you know? You know, even the way you sit down on the couch has to be proper. Because you put a lot of money into it. You see what Jesus is saying? We value what cost us and so wherever your treasure is that's where your heart is makes sense doesn't it makes sense the Bible says this Psalm 37 verse 5 commit everything you do to the Lord trust him and he will help you it's interesting, that word commit, it's kind of a complicated word. It actually, in the Hebrew, is the word goal. Say that word with me, goal. Goal, say it. Goal. Goal, say it with me. One, two, three, goal. Okay, so in the Hebrew, the word commit is the word 
Okay, I'm not getting enough from you guys. Let's try it one more time. In the Hebrew, the word commit is the word, there we go. It's easy. It's not that hard. Literally, it means to roll away, to open up. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, go deep for just a second, okay? Do, do I, I don't want to lose you, but I need your attention. Do I have your, give me a thumbs up if you're with me, okay? Everybody with, here, okay. So this word, goal, means to roll away, to open up. In that day and age, people, if you're very wealthy, okay, if you had a lot of resources, you could potentially own a well. They lived in a very dry climate uh, in the Middle East, and so water was extremely valuable. If you had a well, that was a sign that you were, you know, you had wealth. And what they would do is they would put these huge stones on the mouth of the well. They put it right on top of it because there were times with the wind storms and the sand storms where the wind would pick up the sand and throw it, you know, blow it into the well and it would cover the well. And of course, if you have a well that's full of sand, it doesn't do you any good. And so they would take these huge stones and place them right on top of the mouth of the well. And whenever you wanted to remove that stone, you would use this word, commit, the word go, to roll away, to open up. So hang in there with me. When God says, commit, what he's saying is, roll everything else out of the way. What he's saying is, open up Open up the well of your heart. Don't keep it covered. I'll take care of everything. I'll help you with whatever. In fact, the word is used 18 times. Only three is used, is translated with the word commit. Every other time is take away, roll away. Open up the well. And I like the word commit because... It was such a heavy stone that it would take two or three people to remove it. Like it wasn't a, like an easy thing. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we're just gonna go. No, no. Like it, it took some effort. Once you moved the, the thing halfway, like it took commitment. But I love how the I love how the message translation puts it. Same verse, Psalm thirty-seven, verse five. I love. It's a kind of a loose translation. I don't use it often, but I love this particular verse. They got it right how it was translated. Let's look it up. It says this. Commit. No, not that one. The next one. We have it. The next one. Do we have another one? No. I'll just read it. Psalm 37, uh, 5 from the message. Open up. There we go. Open up. Same, Same verse. Open up before God. Keep nothing what? Back. And he'll do whatever needs to be done. Why were they wise men? It says that they brought their gold to Jesus. It says, if you read the passage, it says that they, they, they opened up their treasure tre- chest. They invested their treasure. Why? Because he was poor. Because the church needed money. Because they didn't know what else to do. No, because when they brought their treasure chest, what they were saying is, 
here's our hearts. And we give you everything that we value and everything that we love, and it's yours, God. And we believe that you, in turn, you'll take care of every area of our lives. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you, and I, I want, oh man, I just want to be so clear. God is not after your money. God is not after your money. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, he says, I don't care about burnt offering. I don't care about all the, the stuff that you, all the ritual. I want, I want your love. God doesn't, he's not poor. He owns the universe. He wants your heart. He wants you to put him in first place for your own good. He wants you to trust him. And so when, let me, let me say it like this. He doesn't want my money. He wants what it represents. And in my own life, the more I give to God, the more that I'm, I'm with him and not with myself. And when I don't do it, and I'm speaking from experience, when I hold on to my things, the worries of the world choke me up. And I, my stress level goes up. And I worry about stuff that I don't need to worry about. But when I bring him my treasures, when I bring him my, my, my box, my, my chest, my treasure chest, like the wise man, something, and I don't know, I cannot explain it, but something unlocks in my heart. It says, they enter the house and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. You and I, we get to do that this Christmas. If we trust him, we give him our hearts, if we put him first. How many of you in this room, would you would raise your hand or if you're following us online and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? This is an area of my life that I struggle with. And I'm specifically talking about finances. How many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Yeah, no judgment here. All my love goes your way. How many of you, anybody else, say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to I get this area of my life right. Father God, we come before you, and I ask that you would speak to us in unique ways. God, I ask that if there's a specific amount that you want us to give for the, our special Christmas offering, God, that you would put that number in our hearts. God, if we're not, if we're not consistently tithing, God, I pray that you would put a number. And God, I pray that in our minds we would know that it's not about the money. It's about our relationship with you. And so, Lord, we surrender every area, as difficult as it may be, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the example of the wise men. We thank you that they, they were wise, wiser than the disciples, before they, they knew your purpose on earth. They knew that you are king and God. And they worshiped you that way. May we, God, may we take heart. And may we worship you this Christmas like these wise men. May we be wise people. We love you. And we thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.